Dan, I just flew in from Colorado, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> oh, here we go again with the flying in. I got it this time, but I will okay. say <laughs> you do look uh, a little exhausted. Yeah, that traveling takes it out of you. I remember where I used to travel for work. I was always tired. Even though you're just sitting around doing nothing, it wears you out. Yeah, and you had, what, two two time zone changes with that trip? I did, and I was at, I was at high elevation, thin air, <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that is no joke. A little, a little winded were you, huh? Oh, uh, yeah, I was. So when I spent, I flew to Denver, and Denver, of course, is the mile-high city. And I spent the first night in Boulder at my cousin's. We had a, like a little mini family reunion. I have a number of cousins that moved to Colorado. So I didn't feel altitude when I was there. Uh, the next day, however, when we went to our final destination of Leadville, um, which is known as the two mile <laughs> high city, I felt it, man. That is thin air. I couldn't even see straight. I was just so out of out of wind. Wow. Yeah. I've I've heard that it can have uh like different effects on different people too, depending on, you know, yeah. certain things. I mean, my wife was out there and she she noticed it a little bit, but not not too much. Yeah. My first night there in Leadville, I was a little worried because you look at the symptoms and, you know, the massive headaches and stuff. And I was dreading, I, and I did have a headache. It wasn't massive though. It was just stubborn. <laughs> uh, the second day, I'll be honest, I was feeling better, not perfect, but I was definitely better. I wasn't like going the wrong way. Well, that's good. Yeah. And that was tough. It's just serious. Just walking. I had, was on the second story of the hotel. I couldn't walk all the way up the stairs. You had to stop on the landing and catch your breath. Well, how how many flights <laughs> of stairs do you normally go up in a day? You're probably just out of shape. <laughs> I am a firewood <laughs> professional. There's no such thing as an out-of-shape firewooder. <laughs> so what were you out there for? What, what what's Give a little backstory here. What How did this all come to be? Yes. So there is the company VPAC. In, uh, they're from Norway, and they make that kind of interesting-looking firewood bagging packaging machine. And uh, they were at Paul Bunyan, but there had been some um, discussions uh, before all that because, like, you know, Marty from Lepo and uh, Bob Nelson from, from Yappa. So when I was appearing at the Yappa tent at the Paul Bunyan show. Um, you know, there was, there was some discussion and they were, they were like wanting to know if I was around and uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but I kind of had a long line at the Yappa tent <laughs> and uh, it took me a while to get away. So I finally got down there. Bob Nelson and I walked down there together uh, cause he kind of knows the, importer from Canada that hacky met hack met is the name of them. So when I was down there, well, I couldn't get all, I couldn't talk to the owner of VPAC Oli. He was just 
he was pulled in a thousand and different one directions. And so we had agreed I would just uh, I'd talk to him later. Um, and I did talk with Kyle a little bit, who is the owner of the firewood company out in Leadville, Colorado. So we just tabled it because it was just uh, it was just couldn't you know get a hold of each other. Yeah. Yep. And um, uh, so we had some email exchanges in the weeks that followed. And so we agreed that um, uh, this would be a good time to go out and visit Kyle in Colorado. Ooh. So I, uh, yeah, so I flew out and flew to Denver. And then he's about two and a half hours up the mountain from Denver. <laughs> and uh, I hung out with him and found him to be a very interesting and fascinating and friendly person. And um, so like that, that the VPAC, uh, I'm, I kind of, I appreciate it. <laughs> it is, it is the real deal. And mind you, you know, firewood is an economy of scale and this is on the upper end of it for production. You would have to have a serious uh, volume business uh, to make that worth having because like, you know, like <laughs> it's expensive, but, yep. <laughs> um, but when you're at that level compared to all the other machines that can keep up to it, I think this one is the, this one's the one to get it. Uh, it well, it, it uses bags and you know how I feel about bags. I was going to mention um, it is a yeah. bagger, correct? So uh, it is a bagger. It doesn't shrink wrap or stretch wrap. Uh, it can use boxes too. Uh, oh, but okay. I'm just saying that, yeah, at that volume, at that level, um, I think it, it more, it, it has separated itself from all the other machines. That's what I'm saying. Because, yeah. because it is a one person machine, which I thought was kind of a, a dubious, um, a claim, but while I was out there and looked at it and I got a tinker around with it it is it is a one person machine so some of these other machines are cheaper but in order for them to reach their full true capacity you, know, you got to have a bigger crew four or five six people and that's payroll you know yeah. labor and if you're trying to leverage technology and machines to be a profitable firewood business uh wow i think the the vpac is legit so, so you, so one person can like load up like what a big hopper, load it all yep. up and then just, it automates, it's automated. And yep. one person just can run the whole show, the whole operation start to finish. Yeah. You, wow. all you would need is just fill the hopper up with firewood and then you flip the switch and like, yeah, you, know, you remember the the famous I Love Lucy episode with the conveyor belt and the the chocolates where she couldn't keep up with it and yeah. it was just um you know it was just a a famous episode where she's like shoving chocolates in her pockets and stuff cuz she couldn't keep up. It doesn't do that. It paces itself with the person filling the bag. So, and then I also thought too, wow, this one person, you know, you're going to just be run ragged, but you're not. Once you fill the bag, the machine starts to work. And then when the, the 
the what I can't remember what they call it. I guess I kept calling it the hopper, but the hopper is where all the big, you know, the big piles of firewood gets dumped into. It's the head. Once that is filled up, uh, you stick your bag underneath it and step on the pedal and it fills your bag up and then it starts running again. When that when that head is full, it doesn't run. It stops. And yeah, and then like the cleaner and that path that the logs all take in single file, they all work independently too. Um, you know, so like it's never like overflowing or just shooting logs out the side, you know, or out, <laughs> out the wastegate. It, it's really cool. And it works with electronic eyes and conveyor belts and that trap door. And it it really works. So and so one person could, so it kind of like you you set the pace basically. So you, so the person isn't trying to keep up with the machine. The right. machine is working at the pace of the individual bagging. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I'm saying that the person who's running the machine, they're not being, they're not frazzled. You know, they're not trying to yeah. keep up because you, when you unload the, the head into the bag, you, the machine like starts filling it back up. Well, you can tie the tie shut, lay the bag on the pallet, come back, you know, re, you know, comfortably paced, get another bag, stick it over the, the flaps and, and wait. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, so you set the pace. <laughs> That's... Yeah. There was that one. I can't remember the name of it. I've seen them on YouTube. It's kind of like a longer conveyor belt. And there's like two people filling the trays and and putting the plastic over top of them, and yep. it goes through I've like seen. this propane burner, and it and it shrink wraps the the plastic around the wood, and then there's a person on the other side that's got to pull them off and put them on pallets. You know, uh, it's not like that. It, the machine it it really just does everything. Um, yeah. And then from when I was watching this thing work at the Paul Bunyan show, I thought that the way the wood released into the bag, it looked like that was going to be where you're going to strain your back, you know, like, you know, if if you're holding a bag and all of a sudden a bunch of weight drops into it, you know, it's going to like jerk your arms down and it doesn't do that. There there is zero kerplunk. (laughs) <laughs> that, that that you feel huh. on the bag i was just i was just shocked but then you know you still have to pick the bag up yeah and then and then set it onto a pallet so that's the physicality of it interesting yeah very interesting. yeah it, it, if 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 anyone if you haven't seen the v-pack guys if you were to check out my youtube channel uh i introduced it um well, this episode's coming out Wednesday, so it'll be on the episode of my YouTube channel when this episode comes out on the podcast. So I was kind of, I kind of was teasing the machine because it kind of looked like something out of the Cat in the Hat, where you know, the Cat in the Hat had this big <laughs> contraption that he rode around town. <laughs> yep. Or or like a Rube Goldberg machine, but it. <laughs> It, it it isn't it is an elegant beautiful productive machine i was just i loved it and the other thing it is whisper quiet because it just works with those electric motors and uh compressed air 
So you do hear like a compressed air noise when you step on that pedal. Yeah, that's what I was I was going to say is, and it's also uh, there's like it's in he had it out there in a building, and I'm sure it was pretty quiet because there's no motors running, no engine going, nothing. Well, it was loud this time because his building is not done and it wasn't plumbed with electricity yet. So he oh. was running a gener he had a generator <laughs> running right outside the door. So that was pretty loud. And a <laughs> torpedo heater because it was twelve degrees <laughs> when we were there. <laughs> and uh, so that was loud. But don't don't be misled by that. It is a whisper quiet machine. And that's where I think too, I I believe noise you know, physically wears you out if you're working around a long machine for a lot of time, for a long time. Yep. Uh, and that's where this thing here, it's, it's not. You just hear like some thunking of the wood and the clunking of the wood. Huh. No, no like drone of, a, of an engine or a screaming gas engine or a diesel engine. And, yeah. and I know in your video last week, you kind of showed and talked a little bit about it. Um, he was cutting his wood to 12 and a half inches. But the, that thing will do different size, like, bags, right? Um, it will. It's not, yeah. it's, not, it's not made for it yet. And, you know, because it's a European machine, and in Europe they use shorter wood. Um, but that was the most interesting thing about this entire um, visit. And I, and I found the VPAC very interesting. But... Uh, this gets into the evolution of the firewood industry <laughs> and um, finding your, your oh, I hate this word, your niche. <laughs> when you find it, drilling down and becoming productive, becoming efficient, and making everything make sense to what you're doing. And the VPAC only comes right now in European sizes, so like 12 to 13 inch. Uh, they're going to make a 16 inch head for it so that it can do our, our length of firewood. And what Kyle, who's the owner of MK High Country Firewood, uh, you know, the firewood company that I was visiting while I was out there, uh, what he accidentally learned was the shorter firewood actually makes him more profitable, more efficient, and the retailers prefer it. And hmm. you know, this is something that you don't notice when you operate at our level, us normal people. You know, I have a wrapper, you have a bagger, <laughs> yep. and, you know, we got, we got a couple accounts or, you know, you got a roadside stand and stuff, and it just doesn't ever hit your radar screen. But, man, it did his because he was always doing 16-inch firewood. Well, he found out that the 12-inch firewood uh, – when it's bagged, it's obviously narrower. Uh, but even though there's still 7.75 cubic feet bags, you know, three quarters of a cubic foot, just because they're narrower but a little longer, they fit on the pallet better. He can put more bags onto a pallet. And the retailers prefer that because their shelving space, um, you know, there were one foot bags width and they just fit perfectly. He could even wind up putting more uh, bags, more rows on a shelf because you can put four rows of a four-foot section on a shelf if you're mm. firewood 12 inches long versus three rows 16. of 16-inch 16 because yeah. now you're at four foot. Right. Yeah. 
So I just find that fascinating. And then that gets me into, you know, the whole innovation and the, the evolution of the firewood industry. And those are the kind of things that are out there, these little surprises, these unintended consequences that actually wind up being better for everyone. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, yeah. And, um, in this episode that'll be coming out on Wednesday, we talk about that at length and that is where, you know, a machine like that, the V pack, you know, I, I, I think it has a very bright future in the United States simply because, um, uh, it can redefine when you get to that volume, it can redefine the industry, you know? It's, and here in the United States, because this is going on and been going on for a while uh, in Europe. But yeah. when you think of the semis, the 53-foot semi truck, and then however long you know, the trailer and how wide they are, and the pallets and the packing, um, and, you know, and just how much extra you can get put on. It just seems like it doesn't, it wouldn't matter. But when you are at that volume, like he's, you know, at 50,000 bags a month Who? it adds up man yeah holy moly it, it adds up <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah. it's just one of those things of like getting away from the mentality of always doing something the same way just because that's the way it's always been done you know yes i mean yes people are always stuck on the 16 inch you know obvious for measuring but you had mentioned that the the bags were still 0.75 cubic feet it's just that the yeah. pieces were 12, 12 and a half inches or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So they're narrower. And just that little change has, you know, is what put him to where he is. Um, because what I had learned, it's not cheap running a business out there and driving a, a truck up a two-mile mountain. <laughs> <laughs> right. It well, and not, I guess. It is not cheap. Yeah, and that's that would be then. So if he's getting more on a pallet, more bags per pallet, that uh -huh. means probably then less trips to his wholesalers to resupply. So yeah, I mean, it yeah. all makes sense. Huh. Yeah, he has some contracts with some convenience store chains out there, so he's always on the road delivering. And he had said that when this V pack came in and he was doing twelve inch wood, he he cut all of his deliveries in half because he could, he didn't have to make that second trip to the store wow. uh, to replenish an order. And it just seemed too that in that area of the country and Colorado and up in the mountains, like bagged firewood is a big deal. I think it's even bigger than uh, bulk, especially up in the mountains, you know, where like, I think there's a lot of townhomes and stuff, but still people have fireplaces and they probably don't have a big area to store their firewood or may not be allowed to. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, it, it is, uh, it is a different, I mean, we're in the same country, but we might as well be on a different planet because nothing out there looks the way it does in Ohio. thousand bundles a month. Uh, definitely. There are people out there interested in firewood. <laughs> yeah. Holy. Well, man. he is not at that level. Now he is tooling up for it. Um, oh. so, his wood yard it is just beyond comprehension on how big it was uh yeah mine's just a little dinky thing and he's talking about bringing in a 900 
semi-truck loads of logs that are coming onto his land. And it starts in like what? two weeks. Yeah. How Nine, many? 900. 900 uh, truckloads. Yeah, they're either triaxles <laughs> or semis because he has his own uh, truck like Log Hauler Jesse has with a crane on it to unload the trucks that don't have their own cranes. So there's some kind of reservoir with a large area of dead pine. And out there it's called beetle kill pine. And the larger trees are used for lumber because they make beautiful lumber. It's got like this bluish gray hue through the wood. Uh, but um, he said that the lumber markets crashed and it's a hazard area for a forest fire and they've been cutting all mm. these trees down and just hauling them out so he's got a very good deal on them he says it's still not free because you know trucking is expensive out there uh, it's expensive to drive a semi up a yeah. two mile mountain yeah <laughs> so he he his yard is just beyond it is 187 acres his wood yard is Woo! Yeah. And it was pretty thin when I was up there, but he said that's what their whole plan had been because they had done a lot of expansion. He has been buying a bunch of machines. Uh, I've promised him I wouldn't say anything about him, but he's got a, some processors coming in oh and boy. Uh, cleaners um, and conveyors, a conveyor system he's going to do to get the wood into that building. So he doesn't have to open up the garage doors in zero degree weather uh, in the winter time. He's going to have little holes cut in it for the conveyors to come through. Mm. Mm -hmm. And he's, yeah. And so there is some type of um, like a, I don't know what the word is. It's some kind of a government zone that they made, uh, you know, where they're mitigating a potential disaster, I guess. Yeah. Moving out <clears throat> yeah. all these beetle kill and they're reforesting the areas where they all come from. So that's his wood supply coming in and wow. his sales are increasing. And now he is also uh, the uh, United States importer of the VPAC. Um, they used to just be imported into Canada and then they had to come across the border. So they're streamlining so that uh, it's easier to sell and get uh, distributed in the United States. And he's going to be the importer of them. Holy cow. So this guy yeah. is, he's no hobbyist. <laughs> <laughs> he is the opposite of a hobbyist. <laughs> he's the, he's the opposite of me. I mean, gee whiz talk. Okay. So I have a business, I sell firewood, but I'm, I'm Mickey mouse compared to this guy, you know, and he is, he's young, he's ambitious. He is uh, fearless. And he's a gentleman. He was a very nice man while I was out there. Um, and my gosh, that uh, the area, the country that he lives in, the scenery that, you know, those peaks that you saw at the beginning of my video, he looks at those every day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, just gorgeous. I that would Leadville, never... that, whole, that whole part of the country is just, that Leadville, that's a special town. If you haven't been there before, good heavens. But I would never have thought of Colorado to be like a huge firewood producing area like that. You know, I just, I don't know why, just for some reason, it just yeah. seems, just seems there was, to me. These are the things you don't notice unless you're in firewood. All right. So I'm flying in on the airplane and the lady next to me kept the blind down the whole time. So I couldn't see anything out. 
Uh, but when we were coming in for a landing, they tell you, you have to keep all your blinds up, you know? And um, so she raises it and I'm looking out and it looks like a desert out there. There's no trees. <laughs> There's no trees at all. And, you know, all the grass that was once green is now brown. It does. It looks like a desert. There's no trees. So then uh, he comes to pick me up when we go up into the mountains, you know, and I get to his place. There's no trees. Uh, and then you look off in the distance and there's these big rocky mountains. There's no trees on them. You're above the tree line. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, where in the heck are all the trees? You know, but, you know, there are um, at certain levels, there's like a bunch of, it's mostly, you know, I guess it is all softwood, pine yeah. and spruce. Yeah, pine. And I can't remember the name of the species that he said they were out there. Ponderosa Log, pine and Ponderosa and lodgepole pine lodgepole, and then something yep. else. Douglas yeah. fir, maybe a little fir. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like I said in an earlier episode, all pine trees are pine trees in my eyes, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> well, the way they grow out there, they all grow just straight up, you know, long logs, everything yes. is huge. Maybe. Well, the wood that he had, you know, in log form out there, they were straight as can be. Just yep. gorgeous. I was thinking, gosh, my yappa would make mincemeat out of these things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it'd like be nice to have all that um that uh straight wood like that. Yeah. But I cannot get my brain around nine hundred truckloads of logs. Yeah, I, are you sure it wasn't nine hundred logs? Yeah. <laughs> but I <laughs> have that would be a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get five truckloads on my land and I'm you know sweating it out <laughs> and wonder if I'm gonna go broke. Wow. <laughs> and I definitely don't have the room, you know. And holy cow, his place is just, just enormous. Man. Yeah. I could not yeah. imagine that many logs coming in and then running them all through a processor. And then from the processor, does he season them or does he's he straight gonna, into the, bundle? he's going to have multiple, he's going to have multiple processors. But I mean, the, the logs that he gets are pretty much ready to burn as is. So he doesn't have to like set the wood aside to season yes yes i was shocked okay it, i mean this gets back into you know here in the east with standing ash standing dead ash oh you know the people say oh you know you can split that and it's already seasoned you know and you know <laughs> spoiler alert it isn't seasoned yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> uh put your moisture meter on is reading 30 35 okay whatever call it whatever you want it's not seasoned out there because uh, he had a log on his processor, and it, I, it was as dry as any wood I have ever seen, just bone dry. Hmm. And, and it wasn't, like, wasted either, or punky or rotted yeah. or anything. It was just hard as a rock. I mean, it was soft wood, you know, pine. Just hard, dry, dead. Deep. Yeah. So, so he uh -huh. can just split and bag. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's where I don't know how... You know, people are saying, well, Joe, I think this is the direction you should go. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, out here, you know, you got to have a kiln, man. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have all of that wood. And he's moving it so fast. It's not like wood that's going to sit around. It's not he's processing it. and It's going to sit around for a year or six months, you know, and then he's going to bag it. I mean, it is processed, dumped into his machine and it's bagged and gone, man. Yeah, and, and, and I, you would never be able to sell pine here. You can't sell pine. What do you think? What pine isn't firewood? 
Yeah. There's I there's been a lot of houses in this country heat heated with pine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's everything out there is just different. And then he's got rules that he has to work under about how his the logs are kept on his land. He has to have a six thousand gallon or six hundred I can't remember now, a big cistern under it has to be buried under the under the ground so it doesn't freeze up you know in case he catches on fire and yeah. he's got all kinds of regulations um he's got a big crew of people too which did not appear anywhere in any of my videos because they've all they had such a mad rush with this project and getting all of the machines and that building built and he's just given everyone a break so no one's been working and when these logs start rolling in, I guess it's all hands on deck. You're going to be back to work. <laughs> yeah. That was oh, really God. cool. Uh, going. I mean, it's always cool to go into any person's firewood business, you know, just look and see how yeah. they do it, you know, look at yep. all their machines and stuff. And that is just beyond my level of comprehension. Because <laughs> we had walked from his new building. Uh, I mean, it was it was probably like a half a mile it felt like walking in, <laughs> in in that thin air you know and we were standing by he had bought mesquite from texas that got trucked in and he had some eastern hardwoods that got trucked in because he sells those for specialty and i said so is this like the far end of your property and he pointed and you, <laughs> it was beyond as far as your eye could see you know because the ground kind of like went off the edge a little bit and i said oh my gosh i can't believe how <laughs> how far this is you're like we're not walking down there i've seen enough let's turn around no i would have <laughs> you'd have never heard from me again <laughs> i had to keep one eye closed while i was up there as i was seeing double the whole time <laughs> at altitude that is that is for real um you know you can't feel it just your lungs can you're just doing your normal <laughs> just your body you know, you yeah you stand up and you got to take i call it a stress breath you know where you got to like take a deep breath you know where you can just feel your your ribs spreading apart just trying to get air he said like the the 7-elevens i guess out there they got oxygen in them <laughs> you know wow uh yeah for people that struggle up there and i guess the urgent cares and stuff that's one of their big things is because all the because it's a tourist kind of a town too. The Flatlanders come in and they get sick up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a heck of a trip. It sounds like you had a good time, and and uh, the beef pack sounds very interesting. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want this to come off wrong, but I think this maybe should even go without saying. You know, the V pack isn't for everyone. You know. Yeah. Um, but. Um, it is there because that is where the industry and for companies that scale, um, that's where, that's where it's waiting for you. And that's what Kyle started selling bundles. He sold duct taped bundles. They, uh, wrapped their bundles with duct tape. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then he <laughs> went to, uh, the hand cranks. He had a number of these hand crank, uh, stretch wraps um well then he said he went to twine and then he went to the hand cranks he said they told they tied so many twine strings that their fingers were had no skin left on them <laughs> i can imagine that would yeah 
uh -huh. and then to the hand cranks and then to these v packs and he says that v pack just one of those you know just uh just he could do 10 times as much with just one person and he has people that uh he likes to run the processor the most but he says he's got people that run his processor he has a lady that's one of his best runners uh, operators of the processor and um, he says, because he's got two of the VPAC machines and he does it with three people. So there's an operator on each machine and then he has a third person that uh, keeps the wood dumped in and, you know, moves the pallets around when the pallets get full. Yep. When I was there and he was just screwing around, we were talking, he made, it was four bags in one minute. Whew. So, you know, so can you keep that up physically? You know, what, you know, like the wood can get jammed every now and then, or you run out of wood, you know, you got to go start up the loader and dump the wood in again, that kind of stuff. But in a, in a perfect world, it's, it's there waiting for you. Wow. That uh -huh. is definitely uh yeah, like I said, I can't, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing your video on the, of it, you know, in operation and all the, yeah, all I the did my parts. best. Yeah. I got up on a ladder and was just showing, um, the wood, you know, the, the path that it follows and all. And that was kind of cool. Yeah. I don't, and that's where I think a lot about, I said this about the Paul Bunyan show. I don't even think you need to um, have an interest in firewood. It's just fun, you know, watching these machines and stuff. And this thing here is, it's pretty slick. Now, <laughs> did you ask the question that if they've, de if they've designed and they've built this machine called the V-Pack, when are we going to get the V stack? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is funny you say that because when I was looking at that, that was in the back of my head. <laughs> yeah. Because it is sending, it is, it takes a jumbled mess of sticks and it cleans and sorts them and puts them into a single file and drops them through a trap door. Right. Now you put you it, know. you make it mobile where it can just move ahead a little bit and drop another stack, move ahead, drop <laughs> another stack. Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. All right. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'm going to, so I have uh, gotten to know um, Oli, the owner of, of VPAC, and then uh, Morton, I call him Morty. Uh, he was out there too. And it was just, um, you know, I'm starting to get to know these guys. So I think I'm going to take them out to dinner one night and bring that up. Yes, I I, agree. Yeah. I think you need to. There yep. is a need for the V stack. The V stack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I this machine, though, you know, so it's made in Norway. And I had seen it even before I was a YouTube channel. There is a video of it, you know, and it's kind of fun to watch. And I had always said, ah. Well, I remember even watching firewood processors on YouTube before I was got to where I am now. I was thinking, oh, God, I'd never be able to afford one of these or I've never have a need for it. You know, just seemed like it was just so far out of reach. And then you look at someone like Kyle Crawford from MK High Country Firewood, who started with duct tape and twine. And, um, you know, he said he's been doing it for nine and a half years and look where he's at. Wow. Yeah. 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 I, that is, okay, the machine's super cool. I mean, super cool. Kyle is super cool, and I, I'm proud to call him a friend now. He's just a very nice man. Uh, but then 
the implications to the firewood industry to me is what really got me fired up while I was out there because, you know, just the, the things that, so these national retailers are, uh, until you work with one in like middle to upper management, I'm here to tell you these guys, it is a science. Everything that they do is for a reason. You know, you, you may walk into a dollar general and just see like a, you know, some boxes with junk on the shelf, but the, the distribution, the warehousing, the merchandising is just this calculated, methodical, and scientifically based process. It is. I, <laughs> when I worked for that auto parts chain, they were leveraging their vendors about the kind of boxes and the size boxes that they were getting so that they could put multiple items, you know, put more merchandise on the shelves. Because to okay. them, it is expensive real estate. You know, and yep. they want to have as much on there as they could possibly get. And here you go. <laughs> An unintended consequence of a European style packaging machine that is not bagging American style firewood. But then <laughs> the aha moment. And he's saying that this is this is the way to go. These retailers love it. And then when he's making these sales calls now to these larger retailers, uh, that's the selling point. Yeah. When you walk into, you know, some of these stores, convenience stores, or even the big box stores, you know, I, I think a lot of times you just take for granted. You don't realize what all is going on behind the scenes and all the little, you know, steps along the way for product to get to the shelf and the thought that goes into it. And yeah, no doubt. Oof. I, I was reading like with Walmart's distribution, you know, the, the, for stores in Ohio versus stores in Arizona, you know, obviously um, winter wipers and, and ice scrapers, you know, go to <laughs> Ohio and uh, sunscreen and, and uh, uh, sh umbrella shaded umbrellas and stuff go to Arizona. But like in uh, Walmart, I mean, they have it down to the weather. Um, you know, when there's weather changes, if they know a big storm's coming a week in advance, their distribution is able to divert a bunch of generators, you know, to um, different different parts of the country because there might be power outages, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that is, the, I'm serious, you know, I'm always, you don't ever hear me say nice things about the national retailers for a lot of reasons. But the one thing that is fascinating is that the way that they move product and the way that they're able to sell it. And this, you know, this simple guy, Kyle from Leadville, Colorado, just stumbled into the fact that 12 inch firewood had that big of an impact on his sales. <laughs> it's just, Pretty I just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I do. I can't, I, yeah, I can't stress that enough. <laughs> yep. Well, I thought you were going to say there for a second, the V-Pack is super cool. Kyle is super cool. I, however, did not fit in with either of those two things. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these things is not like the other? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. But I, isn't that neat, though, that there could be two people with two different business models and that they're both, well, I'll say quasi-successful for me. <laughs> you know, that they can both be profitable and both um, make a living out of it. Right. Yeah. 
and that's why I think the firewood industry is such a cool place. And that's where I get, I get annoyed when people badmouth another person because they do it different. different right. I was just, I was just yeah. going to say, and do it in different ways, different paths. That, yeah. That's the key. Yeah. 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 We can all be different, but we can all be successful. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, uh, to be different and successful on ending this show, I'm going to say strike up the band. And <laughs> <laughs> instead of you saying strike up the band, and then uh, we want to thank everyone for tuning in to the number one firewood podcast in the world. Yeah. Well, while I was out of town for the entire week, all I could think of, I can't wait till we record this episode and I can say, let's strike up the band. <laughs> now you've, you've taken that from me. I'm taking it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, so we want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Woodhounds. You can find us on all of the major streaming services and on our own website, thewoodhounds.com. There you go. All right, Joe, well, you better rest up and get recover from that jet lag and, you know, the, the altitude, whatever, Yeah. oxygen. No jet lag, just ox- oxygen de- deprivation. Deprivation. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, Joe, I'm going to say be. Yes. Uh, be cool. Stay. Uh, stay below 10,000 feet elevation <laughs> because you can't breathe when you're up there. <laughs> Good tip. Yes. And have. Uh, yes. Have a great day. Have a great day.